What about the Bible? There's so many opinions that people have about the Bible. Let me um, quote Dr. Peter W. Stone in his little book, Science Speaks, published in 1963. It opens up in the preface by saying the following, quote, generation, A generation ago, before 1963, there were dire discrepancies between Genesis 1 and the finding of science. And especially was this true of astronomy. The attack of the critics came primarily through the sciences, and the faith of many young people was wrecked because they, though the Bible was in, thought that the Bible was in serious error, and therefore could no longer be trusted. Since that time, he said, tremendous advances in the sciences have been uh, taking place. One by one, the items of conflict between science and Genesis account have become um, harmonized. Today, the last series of points of conflict between the scriptures and science has not only been harmonized, but the findings of science stands ready to supply tremendous evidence that the Bible could not have been written presenting the education and culture of that day. Today, if our young people are properly taught in the churches, there is no possible excuse for longing their, uh, for losing their faith in college, for everything that they study in the physical sciences will speak of the unerring truth of the Bible. If they will stop to consider, it will prove to them that God alone could have been the author of the Bible. He goes on to say, he defines science as the following, the result of the attempt of man to determine what God did in the creation and what laws he laid down, an attempt. And when you look at the record of Scripture and you examine it, and if you try to figure out God, the creation, as if it's a science book, you're going to make great mistakes. And we've gone through this when we went through Genesis. Now, keep in mind that the bulk of scientific information and evidence we possess today in 2017 was not known to science um, till the last 110 years or so. Okay? So everything we possess is the product of about 110, 115 years, what we possess. And much of what was considered true then has been proven to be error and has had to be updated. I mean, I really didn't go to school that long ago, uh, even though I look old. Um, but if I took my science book back of 1968 when I graduated, they would laugh because many of those things have to had been updated already. Every human book has to be updated all the time. The Bible never has been updated. And so with the growing opposition, antagonism, and rejection of God in the Bible as being the only revelation of God, we want to show you how time proves the Bible to be the very word of God and not just a mere book written by man. These are things that you have to point out when people ask you about the Bible. It'll be plenty of information that can be verifiable, it's logical, and unless they can prove it otherwise by evidence, they really are stuck between a hard and a rock and a hard place because the facts speak for themselves. So let's begin with um, just some of the claims of the Bible. The Bible is the revelation of God. Let me define revelation. Revelation is the act of God whereby he makes himself and truth known at special times and to specific people. God revealed himself to Noah, to the prophets, to different people, the patriarchs, okay? At certain times, God revealed himself. Stuff is written down. God's revelation if God had not revealed it, we would never be able to write it down or know about it. Okay? You have general revelation in the Bible, which consists of creation, conscience, and history. Your creation tells you there's a creator. The watch on your wrist did not come from the Big Bang. 
There was a designer. Your car sitting in the parking lot. The house you live in. The chair you're sitting in. Chaos and destruction doesn't bring order and creation. It's ludicrous. You have conscience. And all of this is found in Romans chapter 1, 19 through 21. And chapter 2, 14 through 15. Creation, conscience. You know what's right and wrong. When you were a kid, you had a pretty nice conscience. Then you started dirtying it up. First time, it was tough to do something. Second time, a little easier. Third time, no sweat. Fourth time, forget it. It's my nature. You had to work against your conscience. You had to callous it. And then there's history. History in itself records the history of Christians, the Jews of the Old Testament, Abraham, the civilizations of the past, as we'll see. They cannot be refuted. When archaeologists go out there, whether they be Christian or secular, they only use one book to find places, the Bible, because it's so accurate. Now, the Bible has also special revelation. Special revelation has to do with the Old Testament by theophanies, miracles, or prophecy. This is um, when God makes himself known through those avenues. The New Testament is the ultimate special revelation through his son, Jesus Christ. God, who at different times and in diverse manners spoken times past to the fathers, has in this last day spoken unto us through his dear son. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1 and 2, even 3. He became flesh. That's why the gospel is an incredible, powerful message to mankind, the only hope. That's why Paul's not ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God unto salvation, the Jew first and the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. This is what the Bible says about one who doesn't believe in God. The fool has said in his heart, no God. Psalm 14.1. God calls a person who doesn't believe in God a fool. Because there's no other way you can explain creation, conscience, or what's recorded in history apart from God. Impossible. Secondly, the Bible is the inspired word of God. Let me define inspiration. Inspiration is a supernatural influence of the Holy Spirit upon divinely chosen men in consequence of which the writings became trustworthy and authoritative. Inspiration deals with the recording of God's word, making it infallible and inerrant. Not only in things pertaining to life and practice, but history, archaeology, and science, unlike the theories of man. And so we have long genealogies. We have very specific towns, cities, kings that were ruling, and they line up perfectly. Every time you add one more factor to something, you complicate it, you take another chance on being wrong. Inspiration claims divine source and authority. All scriptures given by inspiration of God, profitable for doctrine, correction, and righteousness, that the man of God may be thoroughly furnished unto every good work, 2 Timothy 3.16 tells us. The word um, inspiration is made up of two words, theo, God, and penusto, which means breathe, literally expire from God. God breathed out, spoke out his word directly to men, through dreams, visions, whatever, had it recorded. The scriptures are expired out of God as holy men were literally carried along by the Spirit of God and recorded these things. We also have that scripture guarantee. I just gave you 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. 2 Peter chapter 1, 19 through 21 says the men of old did not speak of their own. It says in the King James and Old King James interpretation. That's a bad translation. Of their own impulse or origin. In other words, they didn't say, well, you know, I think I'll write my book today. The Spirit of God moved them with their own words, their own vocabulary, because you can distinguish between Paul's writings and Peter, between the Gospel of Mark, Gospel of Matthew. Not robots, but in a way to direct and guide them that you can see their personality, and yet when they wrote it down, it was inerrant and infallible. This has always been the orthodox view of the Bible until the last 50 years when the Germans infiltrated the American theological seminaries and Fuller Seminary gave up inerrancy, infallibility of the scriptures, APU, and many other universities call themselves Christians. And the majority of churches do not believe in the inerrancy and infallibility of the word of God today. 
Pray tell, if, if they don't believe in, who's going to tell me which ones are and which ones are not? The Bible is said to be the Word of God then. The Scriptures declare things over 3,800 times as the following in the Old Testament. Thus saith the Lord, the word of the Lord came to me. The Lord said, write, the spirit of the Lord came upon me. I will be with your mouth and teach you what you shall say. And we can go on and on and on. Phrases where God directly is speaking and commands. The Lord Jesus believed the Bible was and is the word of God. If this is the only thing I got up here and told you tonight, what, what I'm going to tell you right now, you would need no other evidence. If you believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God, you, then he's the ultimate, final authority. Listen to what he said. He never doubted or implied manuscript error. Now, when he was alive, we only have the Old Testament, okay? So we're talking about the Old Testament. But we know the New Testament commentary is that it's equal to the Old. In fact, it's the culmination of the Old. Jesus spoke about Noah and the judgment of the world was real. Jesus spoke about creation, Adam and Eve. Jesus mentioned Cain and Abel. He referred to Sodom and Gomorrah. He quoted Moses, Isaiah, Daniel, many of the prophets. He referred to the scriptures as prophecy. Jesus accepted the Old Testament as historical, literal, including the prophecies, and declared this. For surely I say to you, ultimate authority, Till heaven and earth pass away, one jot or one tittle will by no means pass from the law till all is fulfilled, the smallest letters of the smallest strokes above the letter. Matthew 5.18. He's the ultimate authority. Now, the majority of, of, um, of professors in seminaries, Fuller and many others, they don't, they don't believe in some of this stuff. Do you realize about 80%, 85% to 90% of the people that come out of seminary going to pulpits don't believe in the virgin birth, the second coming? Inerrancy of Scripture? Why do they call themselves ministers? Why do they call themselves Christians? Major problem. Take the 13 claims about creation in Genesis chapter 1, Dr. Stoner says. The chance factor that Moses guessed the proper order is one chance in 311 million, 351,000. And 40. That's incredible. Moses just got lucky. Every person that ever reads or hears the claims of the Bible must make a decisive evaluation of the Bible. Either it is God's word or the words of man. If I choose to receive the Bible as God's word, then I will receive the truth about myself that I am a sinner in need of repentance. If I say it's the words of men, then how do I explain the accuracy of prophecy? The inerrancy of it. How do I explain it? Superhuman beings write it? E.T.? Every person has to make a decision on the content of the Bible. Are they mere stories embellished by man or accurate events God declared to warn and to teach man? If I take them as silly stories, then I will mock and dismiss them as being relevant for me. They don't touch me. They're just stories. No, his story. <laughs> his story. He allowed it to be recorded. If I embrace them as true, then they will cause me to identify as a sinful man in need of a Savior. Because that's the heart of the Scriptures. Man is lost. And God sent the Son to redeem mankind. And so these are some of the claims of the Bible. Now, let me give you some facts about the transmission of the Bible. People say, well, there's all kinds of errors, and you know, and they, they, they've just, you know, corrupted it. Really? Okay. Writing is known to have existed as early as 4,000 to 5,000 B.C. in Egypt, by the way. The materials used for the Bible vary. Some, some are written in stone, 
and it was used as Moses was commanded to inscribe the laws of God on tables of stones in, uh, in their Mount uh, Sinai, and then also in Ebal and Gerizim, Deuteronomy 27, 2 and 3 tells us that. Clay was also used. Ezekiel 4.1 gives us a reference to that. Huge libraries have been discovered of writings like those of the king of Assyria in 650 B.C. Wood was used in Greece for many centuries as they would whitewash it in order that they would receive the ink letters. Leather is as well known to have been used for thousands of years or animal skins. The Jews used them for their scriptures as well as others. Papyrus was used as a universal writing material, as many of you know, as far back as 3500 B.C., deriving from Egypt where it grew there in the Nile River. They would dry them out and interlace them and beat them down and it would make them real, real hard and vulnerable to breaking and cracking, but they were used. Vellum and parchments were also used. Vellum refers to skins of calves and parchments to skins of sheep and goats used from the 4th century, from the Middle Ages, even for God's word. We have all kinds of manuscripts like this. Now, let me give you the meticulous care of the Bible. It's astonishing. They counted the words and letters of each book. Isaiah, 66 chapters. Counted every word. They calculate the middle verse, word, and letter of each book. The middle verse of the Pentateuch is Leviticus 8, 7. The middle verse of the Bible is Jeremiah 6, 7. And of course, this is in the Hebrew scriptures I'm talking about. They marked verses with all letters of the alphabet. The synagogue roll had to be written on skins of clean animals and fastened together with strings uh, taken from clean animals. Each skin had to contain certain number of columns equally throughout. The length could not extend less than 48 or more than 60 lines each column. The breadth had to consist of 30 letters. The entire copy had to first be lined. If three words were written without lines, it would be worthless. The ink was to be black, not red, green, or any other color, according to a recipe. The authentic copy was exemplar. This is strange for us. There's no printing presses. The older is worthless. The newer is more valuable. Because the new one gets old, so what do you do? You make a copy of it, and you hold more value to the new one, because the old one's falling apart. Okay? It's just the reverse. Not a letter or a yod or a tittle was to be from memory, and eyes were never to leave the scroll, regardless of who entered. And these were the scribes that dealt with this. Between consonants, there was to be a space of a hair or thread between new sections, space of nine consonants, between every book, three lines. The fifth book of Moses must end exactly with a line, but the rest need not. The copier had to wear full Jewish dress and bathe his entire body. The name of God had to be written with a new pen, and he had to wash every time. That's a clean priest. The rejects were burned, buried, or banished to schools. What publishing house has this meticulous care regarding their recording of texts and printing material? The manuscript evidence of the Bible is interesting also. The Bible has an overwhelming number of copies. It has more manuscript evidence than any ten pieces of classical literature. A.T. Robertson, the New Testament Greek scholar, declared that we have, listen carefully, 8,000 manuscripts of the Latin Vulgate, 
1,000 earlier versions, 4,000 Greek manuscripts, 13,000 portions. Most, if not all, the New Testament can be reproduced from early church writers. Warfield and Philip Skoll both declare that the word has been transmitted to us with no or next to no variations. Each, and this is what is my variations, okay? Each misspelled word is counted in every manuscript. So if there are 3,000 manuscripts, that would account for 3,000 variations, while in reality is only one misspelling. So some of your footnotes in your Bibles, they will say, this is not found in the best of manuscripts. It's a deceptive footnote. They're talking about Sinaiticus, Vaticanus, and one other one. What it should say there, though it's not found in what we believe to be the best, which are not, but it is found in 5,000 other ones. And if they have 3,000 copies, like I said here, they count each as a mistake. So there's 3,000 mistakes. No, it's one letter. One letter. Now, if you know English and someone misspells a word, you don't even pay attention. You read the word because you know English, right? Simple. The Bible compared to other authors of the past wins hands down. Listen carefully. The Bible was written in the latter part of the first century. The seven plays of Sophocles, some of you that are going to university, your uh, literature courses, they're accepted as authentic texts, yet the manuscripts are 1,400 years after his death. The history of Thucydides, 460 to 400 B.C., known to us by eight manuscripts, the earliest, 900 A.D. The history of Herodotus, 488 to 428 B.C., no one doubts him, yet the earliest manuscripts we have are 1,300 years later. Most mistakes or variations are in spelling or style. 98.33% is pure because it doesn't affect the text at all. Now, these seven plays of Sophocles and the one that I've mentioned, they're never doubted in the universities. They're taught as fully authentic when you compare the scriptures. The scriptures went hands down. Once again, Dr. Stoner says, taking the same chance of probability of the 13 times or the 13 items in Genesis 1 of um, 311,351,040, where did Moses get the 13 things to arrange them in their order? Did Moses know about dark nebulas so he could write a perfect description of 1 in verse 2? This is absurd. For the greatest of the scientists, having many photographs of dark nebulas, never guessed one existed until about 40 years ago. That was from 1963, which would have been uh, 23 or so. Would have been, it would have been 1923. It is estimated, he says, that about 100 billion people lived from the day of Moses before anyone knew what, is this, uh, what his description meant. We should say then that he did not have more than one chance in a hundred billion of being able to describe a dark nebula. This guy's a brilliant scientist, mathematician here at, by the way, Pasadena City College, 1963. Little book he has, Science Speaks, that big, it's gold. Can't find it anywhere. I got a copy. <laughs> How often people believe and say that the Bible has uh, errors and contradictions. You heard it. You've been challenged that way. Next time someone tells you that, do me a favor and say, uh, really? Can you tell me in one book? Hand them the Bible and say, show me. They won't. They've never read the Bible. They're repeating the same lie that's been told to them. It's called indoctrination and deception. How have you heard? Well, there are so many translations and interpretations of the Bible. 
Tell them the Bible interprets the Bible. Scripture interprets Scripture. Context, historical background, language. Hebrew, Aramaic, or Greek. Simple. Ask them if they have ever read the Bible. They most likely haven't, as I said. But as merely repeating that because they are so biased and they are so particular today anti-Judeo-Christian. Today's philosophy and pop culture and political correctness is all-inclusive of anything, anyone, anything you believe, any book, any writing you might have, except for the Bible, Jews and Christians. They're not ashamed to say that. It's very, very clear. They need to be confronted with their dishonesty and hypocrisy about judging something they have never examined. It's dishonest. So the evidence involving the transmission of the Bible is of the highest integrity. Let's look at the uniqueness of the Bible. The unity and harmony of the Bible. The Bible contains, as you know, 66 books, 39 in the Old Testament, 27 in the New. The Bible is written over a 1600 year span. The Bible was written by 40 authors. It has a red thread running through it from Genesis to Revelation, the person of Jesus Christ, beginning with Genesis 3.15, the seed of the woman. That's the first prophecy of the virgin birth of Jesus Christ without the aid of a man. Isaiah 7.14, Behold, a virgin shall bear a child. Call his name Emmanuel. Matthew 1.23 picks up his fulfillment. John said to Jesus, or to his disciples, Behold, the Lamb of God, which takes away the sins of the world. I'm the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end. Book of Revelation. King of Kings, Lord of Lords, Red Thread, Genesis to Revelation. Can't miss him. The instruments used to write the Bible vary from kings to fishermen, statesmen, tax collectors, herdsmen, military generals, doctors, rabbis, Paul. <laughs> the Bible was written from diverse places. Moses in the wilderness, Jeremiah from a dungeon, Ezekiel from Babylon in captivity, Daniel from Shushan the palace, David in Jerusalem, Paul from prison and mission field, Luke from interviews and travels. Written in times of war, peace, prosperity, and poverty. In joyous times, others in despair and sorrow. Written from three continents, Asia, Africa, Europe. Written in three languages, as I've mentioned already. Hebrew, Aramaic, and Greek. The majority is Hebrew, some Aramaic in the Old Testament, Daniel. And then Greek in the New Testament, some Aramaic words in the Gospel. The Bible contains eyewitnesses. Accounts in the old as well as the new. The Gospels to mention a few. The Bible contains law, history, poetry, prophecy in the Old Testament. And the New Testament also has history and prophecy, Acts and Revelation. The Bible deals with law, civil, criminal, ethical, ritual, moral, sanitary, in the Pentateuch. First five books. Particularly, uh, Leviticus uh, is, is a, a heart of that. And you have the epistles in the New Testament. The Bible gives to us accounts of wars, treaties, biographies, and records of kings. The Bible records accurate kings in their chronological order with reference to kings of the, at the same time or other countries. So you're cross-referencing this king with this other king from the northern kingdom, the southern kingdom, and this other country at the same time so that you're taking a chance on making mistakes. But they're not. They're accurate. And they relay back and forth. The persecution and indestructibility of the Bible is incredible. 
In 303 AD, Diocletian gave a command to destroy Christians and Bibles. He made a medal thinking he had succeeded. It read, quote, the Christian religion is destroyed, the worship of the gods restored. Twenty-five years later, Constantine had Eusebius prepare 50 copies of the scriptures at the government's expense. Tyndale was strangled and burned to ashes at the stake, as you know. In his last breath, he prayed, Lord, open the king of England's eyes. The Inquisition took the Bible from the people by the Catholic Church. The Latin Vulgate was the first one to go to the, the Vulgate means the vulgar people, the common people. That's why it's called Vulgate. Okay? It survived the critics, emperors, popes, kings, and many others. They're gone. Bible's still here. Many said the Pentateuch had to have been written after Moses because there was no known writing until they found the detailed law of Hammurabi predating Moses and Abraham. And God has a sense of humor. Every time these higher critics and these skeptics and atheists, they, they give some objection. God gets some archaeologists to go dig something up and just to make fools of them. These so-called higher critics said there was no Hittites but through archaeology, they discovered a 1,200-year span of Hittite civilization. Daniel was disputed until the Elephantine papyrus were discovered. They wanted an incredible commentary. Uh, Dick Wilson, his scholar, he does the guy who knew 27 languages. Incredible guy. The Bible was the first book taken to outer space on microfilm. You remember that? Some of you weren't born, but it was. The longest telegram was the New Testament from New York to Chicago. It is one of the most expensive books. The Russians sold the Codex Sinaiticus to England for $510,000. F.F. Bruce, the late F.F. Bruce, said this, quote, there is no body of ancient literature in the world which enjoys such a wealth of good textual attestation as the New Testament. It was written much closer to its origin than any other writings. Jesus was crucified in 33. They started writing right after that. The last one was John, about 95. The combined quotes of seven church fathers of the New Testament is staggering. Listen carefully. 19,368 of the Gospels. 1,352 from Acts. 14,035 from Paul's epistles. 870 from the general epistles. 664 from the book of Revelation. A total of 36,289 quotes. Of the scriptures. The Dead Sea Scrolls, you might have heard of them. They were found in 1947, the Qumran Caves. Some of you have been to Israel with us. We'll be going this next year. We visit them and we see them in the museum and we'll visit the Qumran Caves also. Um, eight miles south of Jericho is where they are. And uh, they date back to 125 BC, giving us a 1,000 year earlier or older to an extent manuscript than the one we possessed. Others dated to 200 B.C. When compared to the Mesoric text, the Hebrew, the meaning tradition, inserting the vowels, they were the same, 500 to 1,000 A.D., which attests to what I've given you, how they reproduced it and the carefulness of it. It made up some 40,000 inscribed fragments, from these 500 books have been reconstructed. Those of you that have gone with us, we've gone to the museum there um, in Tel Aviv, and you can see many of those um, parchments of, uh, they're, they're facsimiles, but they're there. The scroll of Isaiah 53 was discovered. Only 17 letters, 17 letters, not words, were in question. Ten of these were spelling, not affecting the sense. 
four more regarded style, such as conjunctions. Last three comprise the word light, added in verse 11, and does not affect the meaning at all. Wow. A thousand year earlier manuscript. Older, depends which way you look at it. Now, let me give you the demands of the Bible. I looked it up on the internet to confirm it again because it's been a while. It is the most read book still. Number one of ten best or most read books. The Bible is still number one. Listen to the others. Second, quotation from Chairman Mao Tung, a murderer. Harry Potter. Recipe for the Occult. The Lord of the Rings. The Alchemist. The Da Vinci Code. The Twilight Saga. Gone with the Wind. Think and Grow Rich. And the Diary of Anne Frank. Those are the ten most read books today. The Bible is still number one. As an atheistic world that we live in, as an amoral world that we live in, as a political correct world that we live in that goes against the Judeo-Christian standard and ethics, the Bible is still the most read and sold book. Wow. Amazing. The Bible is published in more languages than any other in portions or entire copies. About 40 to 50 years ago, and this is since 1980, so... Um, now I don't know if it's the same, but um, the British Foreign Bible Society, to meet their demands, had to publish in 1980, one every three seconds, day and night, 22 copies every minute, day and night, 1,369 copies every hour, day and night, 32,876 copies every day and the year. <laughs> Amazing. Once again, Dr. Stoner says, quote, what are the chances of Moses getting the 13 items in Genesis 1 all accurate in satisfactory order? Using the estimates that we have just suggested, the other two that we mentioned, we must multiply them all together. And as a result, we find that Moses had one chance in a thousand, million, trillion, quadrillion, quintillion, sectillion, septillion. 31 septillion and then the rest, 135 quintillion, 104, whole bunch of getting both the items and the order accurate. To visualize this by a number of tickets, you would have to engage more than 8 million presses, each capable of printing 2,000 tickets per minute. And then they would have to run day and night for five million years to print this number of tickets. Now let one ticket be marked in the whole mass throughout stirred. Then we will blindfold you and let you draw one ticket. Will you get the right one? Your chances is better than Moses' chances would have been of writing this one chapter from the information known in his day. Do you realize how outlandish and impossible it is for the Bible to be written by normal man? There's no chance. Which human book written can you rely on as the final authority that never has ever been updated? Not one, but the Bible has never been updated. The Bible communicates valuable, needful truths to every generation about God, man, and sin. What group of men in past human history have agreed to die for a lie, as well as the succeeding generations for the same lie? None. Christianity has not only survived, but flourished despite the persecution. How do people explain all the scriptures from Genesis to Revelation that are in harmony and unity 
with one God who is revealing himself to redeem mankind. They can't. So this overwhelming evidence marks the uniqueness of the Bible. Let's look at the purpose of the Bible then. The Bible was not written as a science book, first of all. The Bible does not attempt to describe the things of creation in a technical way, but simply that God created all things. Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. If you don't like it, lump it, he says. He's not asking for a vote. He's not trying to persuade you. He's telling you what he did. And then he gives you the process of how he did it. The Bible does not bother to explain the details of the flood, but clearly records the fact that the entire world died in the flood because of their evil. Simple. The Bible does not bother to declare who Cain married, because it's only common sense that he'd have to marry a sister. How can that be? Because they were closer to the stock, pure to the race. They lived 900 and some years. Methuselah, 969 years. He probably looked like a teenager when he was 100. <laughs> I mean, you know what I mean? God doesn't bother to explain what's reasonably clear. The Bible was not written to appeal to man's intellect primarily for it rejects the things of God, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 2.14. The things of God and the spiritual things, they are foolishness to him. You remember before you were a Christian, you might have been religious, but the things of God didn't make any sense. I certainly never read the Bible. I wasn't even there. God is transcendent beyond man's ability to understand the things of God. God will use man's intellect, but he does not depend on it. God is the only one who can shed light on man's intellect about the things of God. So when the gospel is preached and someone is not saved and they're lost and dead and trapped in sins, the gospel sheds light to bring conviction to their hearts that they may respond to the love of God and repent. Without that drawing, without that illumination and conviction, they wouldn't even respond. And some, not everybody responds, some reject. So that people decide whether they're going to spend eternity with God or separate from God. God doesn't choose that. It's the person who gets convicted by the Spirit of God and they say, yes, I agree, I'm a sinner, forgive me. Or I, I don't agree with you, I'm good in myself. One of the two. The Bible was written to reveal man's need of God and to bring him to repentance before God. It's a love letter, ladies and gentlemen, of God's love for evil mankind. If you were God in another form from what God is, you would have wiped this world out. And so would I. He wants us to repent because he loves us. John 3, 16. Everybody knows that verse. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. If that's the only verse you know, you can evangelize. <laughs> you got the gospel. But also because the son died for man. Romans 5, 6 and other scriptures. When we were ungodly. He died for the ungodly. I presume you qualify tonight. Because he's coming back to judge the world. You have it in Matthew 24, Mark 13, Luke 21, 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, Revelation um, chapter 19. He's coming back to judge the world. Also because he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repent in 2 Peter 3, 9. <clears throat> you see, God loved me as much before 1973 when I was born again as when I repented after 1973 and I became a Christian. His love did not change. It's that before I was a Christian, 
he couldn't bestow the, ben the benefit and the blessings of his, of his love because I was in sin and I was an enemy of God. But once I repented, now he can bestow his love and his blessings on me because he has made me righteous through the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You as a father and a mother, if your children get out of whack and they uh, get into some trouble, you love them, but you don't bless their, their bad conduct, do you? You're looking for repentance. You're looking for a confession and agreement so you can get rid of that and then bless them with your love, right? So it's from the lesser to the greater. If we do that, how much more God? But him in a pure form, completely. He can't compromise with sin. But also because God has allowed the record that you may believe Jesus is the Son, the Christ, the Son of God, and in believing that you and I might have life in his name, John twenty thirty one. It's a love letter. That's all it is. Professor M. Montier Williams said this, quote, Pile them, if you will, on the left side of your study, but place your own Holy Bible on the right side all by itself, all alone, and with a wide gap between them, for there is a gulf between it and the so-called books of the East, which severs the one from the other utterly, hopelessly, and forever. There's no comparison. The Bible, it's God's revelation, his word, inerrant, infallible. A love letter to lost, rebellious, evil man. That he wants to forgive him and save him. Wow. Do you see yourself as a sinner in need of salvation? Romans 3.23, all fall short of the glory of God. Well, not one righteous. No, not one. Every time a woman has a baby, she brings in a new little sinner. Cute, but a sinner. It doesn't take long for him to show you he's a sinner. He's your kid. Do you want to be saved? Then call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Maybe you're here, maybe you're over the internet, maybe out there in the radio, somewhere in the world. You call on his name and ask him to forgive you of your sins. You believe that he became man, died for your sins and rose from the dead. And he says he will forgive you of your sins. And you will have the assurance that those sins, <clears throat> as he imparts his righteousness, are what he accomplished for you at the cross through his resurrection and the death, that your sins will be cast as far as east as the west, Psalm 103.12. That they will be buried in the deepest ocean, Micah says. And that you will become a new creation. All things pass away, everything becomes new, Second Corinthians 5.17. That's the scripture that I chose to put on my father's tombstone because of the bad rap that he got through my brother so much. A new creation. All things pass away. Everything becomes new. Raw Christian race. Absolutely. Only God can cleanse you. Only God can forgive you. This is what is lacking in our world today and in our nation. The reason that we are in the trouble we're in is because we have turned our backs upon God. We have asked Him to step out of our universities and our schools and we've told him we want nothing to do with him. And he has heard us and he has honored us. And he has removed his hand from us. Wow. The purpose of the Bible is to save man from his sin. Voltaire, the noted 18th century French philosopher, said, that it took centuries to build up Christianity. But I'll show you how just one Frenchman can destroy it within 50 years. Taking his pen, he dipped it into the ink of unbelief and he wrote against God. 20 years after his death, the Geneva Bible Society purchased his house for printing the Bible. And it later became 
the Paris headquarter for the British Informed Bible Society. The Bible is still the bestseller. An entire six-volume set of Altair's works was sold once for 90 cents. Just before his death, the noted atheist wrote, quote, I wish I had never been born. Wow. Jesus said about Judas Iscariot, well, to that man, it would be better they had never been born. Do you believe the Bible's the word of God? If not, you better think about this stuff <laughs> and make sure you give these answers to people that don't know what they're talking about. What about the Bible? It's the Word of God. Father, thank you for your grace, your love, and your goodness. We thank you for tonight, Lord, and we thank you for every person here, for those listening over the Internet and the radio, Lord. And we pray, Lord, that you would just... By the power of your spirit, you will speak to people that don't know you. They're lost. As they call on your name, that you would save them, Lord. And we thank you for your word, that we can trust it wholeheartedly, Lord. And the Father can do for us what we can never do for ourselves. As you're praying, if you're here tonight, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, God has brought you here to be saved, to repent of your sins. Again, if you're out there through the internet or the radio, wherever you may be in the world, Jesus is God who became man. The Word became flesh, and we beheld His glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And He died for your sins, and He rose from the dead. And He ascended up on high, and He sits at the right hand of the Father to make intercession for you. If you will believe that He paid the price for your sin, He died in your place. And by the same power that he was raised from the dead and atoned for your sins, he will impart to you his righteousness and forgive you of your sin and make you whiter than snow. By grace through faith, we don't deserve it, but because you believe what he has said, he honors his word above his name. If this is your decision right now, I'm going to say a simple prayer of repentance. And right where you sit or wherever you are, you can say this prayer. And he's going to forgive you and he's going to save you right now. This is your prayer to him. Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. I ask you to forgive me for all my sins. Give me a brand new heart. Baptize me in the Holy Spirit. I accept you as my Savior and Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen.